Jameis Winston and Michael Thomas getting ready to lead the New Orleans Saints offense in 2022 and newcomers showing up and showing out. We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this Tuesday episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that we are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. You can find me over at USA Today Saints Wire Tuesdays on Locked On NFL and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On Saints. And on today's episode, I want to go through the three most important OTA observations through the first session of New Orleans Saints OTAs as the second session gets underway and what to look forward to heading into that second session over the next couple of days. So let's start off with two of the three big time observations. And some of this is going to feel like a little bit of an in case you missed it. And I think that that's because these stories are absolutely huge because it's a big deal for the New Orleans Saints that both Jameis Winston and Michael Thomas are in the facility participating in OTAs. Let's start off with Jameis Winston here because not only is he present, but he's participating. Michael Thomas not participating, but he is present in the midst of his rehabilitation work. I'll tell you a little bit about what Dennis Allen had to say about his progress. But when it comes to Jameis Winston, his progress is absolutely undeniable. You can see it, right? He's a full participant in the third day of the second session of, or excuse me, the first, the third day of the first session of OTAs, throwing passes deep downfield to Chris Olave, getting some work in underneath with some other guys, dropping back, making throws, all of that. Now, there's been a lot made of a report about Jameis Winston walking with a noticeable limp. Here's the news for you. Duh. Of course he's walking with a limp. He is less than seven months removed from his ACL injury and had surgery during that time to have it repaired. Just because he's limping does not mean that he is behind on his progress. In fact, everything is pointing to him being well ahead of his progress simply by the fact that he's out on the field participating in OTAs in the first place. And it gives you a pretty good understanding of how much Jameis Winston wants to be out there. Maybe that progress that he picked up is because of how hard he worked over the course of the time to get himself to this place. So instead of diminishing that achievement by pointing out and talking a little bit more about a limp, which by the way, Even Nick Underhill, who reported it from over at NewOrleans.Football, is saying, that's not the news, everyone. The news is not the limp. The news is the fact that we get to see that he has a limp because he's participating in OTAs in the first place. So let's not get it twisted on what's important here. Jameis Winston is out on the field during OTAs, not only present, but participating and starting to build chemistry with some of the pieces that he'll be working with over the course of the 2022 season, right? These receivers that he wants to build chemistry with, like young 21-year-old Chris Olave, for instance, who, by the way, the New Orleans Saints 
have no players listed on PFF's 25 under 25 list, even though guys like CJ Gardner-Johnson and Eric McCoy could have made that list. Get ready for Chris Olave to potentially make that list for a few years over the next couple of years. Everyone is very confident that he and Jameis Winston are going to be a great compliment to one another and that he and Michael Thomas are going to be a great compliment to one another as well. And speaking of Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas not participating, but is present and is going through his process still. So Dennis Allen commented on Michael Thomas's progress saying he's not ready yet, but the goal remains to have him out on the field for training camp. And that should have been and really has always been the piece that we have been saying was going to be the goal when it came to Michael Thomas, that the goal was not to get him out there on OTAs. The goal is not to get him out there for mandatory minicamp. The goal is to get him ready to go for training camp and therefore the NFL season. So if you're worried about Michael Thomas still being off to the side and rehabbing, don't be too surprised. Remember, this is the first time that the Saints have been in session for him to rehab so far this offseason since having those surgeries and multiple surgeries at that. Last year, it wasn't until he reported for mandatory minicamp that they found that the surgery didn't happen, so he had the surgery less than a year ago. We're not even to mandatory minicamp yet. That's next month. That's in June. Now, of course, we only have one day left in May, but May 31st here kicks off the second session of OTAs over the course of the next couple of days, so maybe we see a little bit of progress or we hear a little bit more about his progress, but as of right now, don't panic. There's no reason to. There's absolutely no reason to panic about my uh, Jameis Winston's limp. And there's no reason to panic about the fact that Michael Thomas isn't out on the field when that wasn't necessarily the goal in the first place to have him out on the field for OTAs. Jameis Winston very clearly ahead of schedule because he's on the field. Michael Thomas very much on schedule as he now gets the opportunity to continue to rehab and report back to the team and work with the team throughout that recovery process. This is a major and important point in that recovery. If you're worried about Michael Thomas, Look at the other things that have happened so far this offseason. Dennis Allen going out to visit him, him taking time to visit with Cody Burns as well. His social media presence rooting on everything going on with the New Orleans Saints. Same thing with the draft pick of Chris Olave, how quickly he left to make sure that Chris Olave was a draft day call. Michael Thomas was a draft day call for Chris Olave, inviting him out to California to stay with him and work out with him for a week and a half. Those are all evident buy-in. That's all evident buy-in material. And on top of that, now you have him in the facility working with the team throughout his recovery, which is still geared towards getting him out on the field for training camp. So those are the two big observations that you should take away going into the second session of training camp. We'll get to a third here in a moment, but I just want to make sure that we're nailing this home, right? That we're driving this home. Listen to me messing up uh, phrases. Uh, That we're driving this home. Jameis Winston's story is not the limp. It's the fact that we get to see it at all because he's out on the field and participating. Michael Thomas's story is not the fact that he's not on the field. It's that he is with the team at the facility getting the work in that is necessary. Dennis Allen told us well before OTAs began that Michael Thomas still has hurdles to complete before he gets back out on the field. Some of that is going to be working with the team as a part of a rehabilitation process that the team very likely has laid out in terms of what that schedule is. So it's not necessarily tied to whether or not Michael Thomas is ready. It's not necessarily tied to whether or not Michael Thomas wants to be out on the field. It's not that. It's the fact that very likely that either you have some injury management or some some pain management that you're still dealing with from the surgery, which was less than a year ago, or the team has him on a schedule that they expect him to complete, which would not be out of the ordinary for any medical staff across the NFL. 
Jameis Winston participating, Michael Thomas present. Those are two of the three big observations from the first round of OTAs. The second one, newcomers that are showing up and that are showing out and that are already making their presence felt. Some guys even stepping into leadership roles like Tyra Matthew. Why is all of this important? We'll break it down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com, the absolute best place for you to be, whether you're working on rebuilding a classic, maybe you're just working on maintaining your daily driver, you're doing some changes, some fix-ups, some tune-ups for the season changing, all of that you can find over at rockauto.com without having to ever even leave the comfort of your own home. A lot of people working from home these days, a little inconvenient to have to go out and go to the brick-and-mortar chain store that's going to upcharge you 30 50 sometimes even 100% more than what you might be paying over at Rock Auto. Because Rock Auto doesn't charge you a different price just because you're a do-it-yourselfer. Everybody, do-it-yourselfers, wholesale, professionals, everybody pays the same price because you skip the whole middleman. You go straight to the manufacturer when it comes to rockauto.com. So go and check them out. It's super easy to navigate, catalog, whatever it is that you're looking for. You just give them your make, your model, the year, the part that you're looking for. You're going to get several options. And again, you're going to save money and save time by having it shipped directly to your door. So go ahead and check them out, rockauto.com. Don't forget to let them know that Locked On sent you, of course, by writing Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section at checkout. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thank you so much for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that we are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. Thanks for a lot of you had to kind of put up with some uh, podcast app issues and things of like that. That all seems to be resolved, but I appreciate you very much for your patience with all of that. As you're checking out your podcast for the day, make sure you also check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. All the news around the, uh, not just the NFL, but the NBA, MLB, all around the sporting world in less than 20 minutes. Okay, Jameis Winston, oh no, say it ain't so. He's got a limp. He's fine. It's good It's, it's good that he's out on the field, right? Uh, Michael Thomas, good that he's in the facility. Now, let's talk a little bit about the newcomers, Tyron Matthew. Chris Olave, Trevor Penning, these guys not just showing up, but showing out. Uh, Lucas Kroll, who I'm going to continue to hype up over the course of this offseason because we have no idea what the New Orleans Saints tight end room is going to look like going into 2022. And it might be outside of maybe the defensive interior spot next to David Onyemata, the position that is most open and in op- and, and the opportunity being present for the widest amount of players in terms of uh, who's going to start, who's going to get playing time, who's going to see those specialized snaps, who's going to be the situational guy, who's going to be the red zone threat. So many different things there. So let's just take these one at a time and kind of break all of these down uh, pretty quickly. So we'll start off with Tyron Matthew, one of the biggest offseason additions for the New Orleans Saints. An offseason addition that if the Saints would have made that signing along with the Jarvis, you know, along with or even separate from the Jarvis Landry signing, the second or third week of free agency, people would have been championing the New Orleans Saints for an outstanding offseason way before the draft even came around. But then they signed not only Tyron Matthew, but also Jarvis Landry in May, which made that offseason even better because it kind of continued that momentum that they picked up coming out of the draft. He has already stepped into a leadership role, not only making some impact out on the field, which of course, it's easy to see how that could happen, which by the way, right now he's wearing 32. That's the jersey number he's wearing at the moment. It's not finalized, but that's the number that he's wearing at this time. 
So you get him out on the field and that has a leadership impact across because you have guys like Alante Taylor and you know some of the other young DBs like Dylan Mabin and Bryce Thompson that are hearing calls from the guy that's going to be making the calls in 2022 on the defensive side, particularly when it comes to the back end and the secondary in Tyron Matthew. So that's a huge piece to their development, right? So having Tyron Matthew out on the field isn't just good because Tyron Matthew is learning the system, learning how he fits in, learning the language, learning the lingo, and learning Dennis Allen's defense, which all of those things are true. But he's also helping to improve and elevate the secondary players that are around him. And when I say secondary, I just mean defensive backs that are around him. So you have that part, but then you know, you're also seeing him off on the sideline, working with guys, sort of helping them between snaps, giving them some advice. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what you should be looking for. Here's the way to come out of this break, all of that. So there's a lot of good stuff that comes from just having Tyron Matthew on the field because he's kind of a coach on the field. Dylan Sanders tweeted something out about Tyron Matthew having a future as a coach and Tyron Matthew immediately quote tweeted that and said something basically confirming that that's something he wants to do in his future. Here you go. Here's your opportunity, right? And you're already seeing why that's such a big part of him. You know, when we asked him during his introductory press conference for the with the New Orleans Saints about how important leadership was to him, he pointed out that it's it's a part of the fabric of his being. It's a part of who he is. Jarvis Landry saying something very similar. And both players basically talking about how not only do they want to be leaders within the organization, they want to be leaders within the community as well. So you're starting to see all of that from Tyron Matthew immediately. His presence at OTAs is one of the few veterans that are present, right? And that's something we'll talk about in terms of what to look for for the second session of OTAs. Does that does that attendance get any better or are these players still comfortable preparing away from the facility? The next newcomer that I want to highlight is wide receiver Chris Olave, the New Orleans Saints top selection in this year's NFL draft. They traded uh, all of the, you know, they moved around, traded next year's first round pick, a 2024 second round pick after that. I want to make sure I get these numbers right. And then of course their own selection at 18 to be able to get up and add some selections there, 16 and 19, and they moved up to go and get him at 11 uh, with Chris Olave. So the first time that they traded up to draft a first-round wide receiver, first time they drafted a first-round wide receiver since 2014 with Brandon Cooks, and that, of course, was the last time that they traded up to grab a wide receiver as well. So with Chris Olave already in the building and getting the work in that he, well, first of all, started getting in weeks ago with Michael Thomas in California, right? And that wasn't he and Michael Thomas's first connection either. Those guys have been connected throughout Chris Olave's, you know, collegiate career and Michael Thomas cheering them on from afar. Both of them Ohio State Buckeyes. They have that connection, all of that. And so Chris Olave gets those 10 days of working with Michael Thomas and then he shows up in New Orleans and now he's getting this opportunity to work with Jameis Winston, the guy that's going to be throwing him the ball in 2022. And that's, again, kind of like what we just talked about with Tyron Matthew helping to elevate the other defensive backs on the field. When you have the quarterback that you know is going to be throwing you the ball present there during OTAs, that elevates your ability and your preparedness into the system as well. So now you're learning a little bit from Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen what you want, what they want this offense to be, but you're executing it and getting into rhythm with it and getting the chemistry built around it with the guy that's going to be leading that system in 2022 with no questions asked. So great stuff to see Chris Olave out there, but also like his ability to kind of come back and I mean, we know his ability, right? His movement ability is always very impressive. His route running ability, very impressive. His catching ability, very impressive. His contested catch uh, ability, very impressive. Remember, he was second in this year's draft class, according to reception perception, when it came to contested catch percentage behind only Drake London, who's now an Atlanta Falcon. 
and who's also like five inches taller. Uh, but you have, so you have all of that in terms of his ability, but you're also seeing sort of the mental acuity that he brings as well. His desire to come back and talk to Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston talking about how he's a guy that wants to know how you want it, right? As a quarterback, right? Like, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? What do you like? All these things so that I can execute that. So we talked about Chris Olave being that sort of like team centric player, and we're starting to see that already. And that is a piece of leadership that ends up rubbing off as the top draft selection for all of the other rookies drafted or undrafted as well. So now you look at Trevor Penning, who's been on the field for the New Orleans Saints, working with Zach Streif, working very closely with Zach Streif because they're trying to get his technique up, the fundamentals, those pieces up, because that's where he's sort of raw, right? He's a raw talent. He's a talent and he's got a tenacious attitude, which the New Orleans Saints kind of want to hone and focus as opposed to try to temper, which I think is a good uh, pathway forward for Trevor Penning. Don't change the type of player he is, but find a way to make that type of player work in your offense. That's been the bread and butter of the New Orleans Saints since Sean Payton in 2006. And there's so much of Sean Payton that's still present in the way that the New Orleans Saints handle and conduct business when it comes to their roster. Everybody has an opportunity to compete. If you compete and you lose, then you compete somewhere else. And it doesn't matter what it is that you're you're coming in with. They know what they want to improve, and that becomes the focus. And so that's what you're seeing with Trevor Penning. And then finally, one of the other big newcomers that's making a lot of waves is, of course, Lucas Kroll, the tight end out of Pittsburgh, about six foot six, six foot five, 250 plus pounds. They also added Kahale Waring as well, formerly of the San Diego, San Diego State Aztecs, if I remember correctly. And then San Diego State for sure, I believe that the Aztecs. And then, of course, spent some time with Houston and a couple of other teams, Buffalo and all that before ending up in New Orleans. But the guy that's really been making the waves is Lucas Kroll. And one of the reasons why is because I just talked about his size, six foot six ish, 253 pounds. But he's got, you know, a four, six, seven, 40 time. He, you know, leapt over 35 inches in the air. He's got a great broad, broad jumps. So you're seeing explosiveness. You're seeing speed. You're seeing agility from him as well. He's really smooth in and out of breaks. He's really smooth in terms of his route running and everything as well. And he's really just a good blocker. I mean, he's a good player in terms of what it is that he can bring and contribute to the team as well. And you saw that at Pittsburgh last year when he was working with Kenny Pickett. So he's another one that has sort of gotten some attention and rightfully so, because again, that tight end room wide open right now in terms of who's going to get playing time, who's going to see what, who's going to do what, all of that. Is it going to be Adam Troutman to start? Probably. But what's going to happen with Nick Vanette? Is Taysom Hill going to be ready to start the season? Does a guy like Lucas Kroll leap a guy like Juwan Johnson, who's only played the position for a year? There's a lot of different ways that this can all go. Or does Juwan Johnson leap everybody as going into his second year playing that position? So there's a ton of opportunity at that tight end spot. All right. That's what we're looking at in terms of the three most important observations across the first session of OTAs. The next three days, including today, is the second session, 31st, 1st, and then 2nd going into June. So what are the biggest things to look forward to moving ahead? And I'll tell you why linebacker Pete Werner is one of the players that I'm most curious about moving ahead through OTAs. We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Get it, Huda Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with the focus that you should have going into the second session of OTAs. Of course, you're going to want to see and hear more about Jameis Winston's progress, more about Michael Thomas's progress as well. But let's talk about maybe some of the players that aren't getting the shine that you definitely want to keep an eye out on going into OTAs. And I want to start off with 
somebody that Cynthia Freeland over at NFL Network called the most underappreciated New Orleans Saint went through and did 32 selections, one underappreciated player for all 32 teams uh, going into 2022. And it's linebacker Pete Werner, New Orleans Saints second round selection out of Ohio State, yet another Ohio State Buckeye, who is getting a contract this year of $1.421 million because he's on a rookie contract, but has done some really impressive things. The 91.0 run defense grade, according to Pro Football Focus, is certainly a big piece of it. But you also look at him having the highest run stop percentage on the New Orleans Saints last season with 8.3. Very active linebacker, very good at um, uh, uh, you know pursuit in terms of getting after the quarterback, but also really good in run defense, scraping, moving laterally, but also being able to key and diagnose and be able to fire through holes, things like that, that are being made by the offensive line to clear ways for the run. And then you see him being able to make some plays in the backfield. You also got to watch him step into a massive leadership role in that weird Miami Dolphins game when the Saints were down 20 plus starters because everybody had COVID. And so he ended up stepping into that role and sort of being the quarterback of the defense. I talked a little bit, uh, kind of mentioned or teased a little bit about the Saints not having any players on this year's 25 under 25 list, at least pro football focuses list. Pete Werner might be on that list next year because this year in his second year, he's going to have a huge, much larger role next to Demario Davis. And of course, lining up next to Demario Davis absolutely helps you at any point. But some of the things that Cynthia Friedland uh, pointed out here was that he had 62 tackles, which ranked 14th amongst all rookie defenders, not just rookie uh, linebackers, that 8.3 run stop percentage that I just mentioned. He also contributed to a defense that allowed the lowest yards per rush, only 1.6 yards per rush when they stack the box, i.e. seven or eight players in the box, or sorry, eight or more players in the box. And then also a team that gave up the fewest total rushing yards over expected. So basically you take all of the expected sort of projected rushing yards that the Saints were expected to allow in each game and the New Orleans Saints allowed 208 yards less than that, which was best across the NFL. And Pete Werner was a part of that defense, even though he only had really the one game that he played that large, prominent leadership role. He still was on the field quite a bit for the New Orleans Saints throughout 2020, uh, sorry, 2021. And I think that he'll continue to be that guy going into 2022. In fact, he'll probably see even more. I'm looking at his uh, snap counts now. He played 40% of the defensive snaps in 2022, uh, sorry, 2021, 394 total snaps. He he was technically listed with a start in eight of those games, 15 games in which he appeared. So you see him getting a lot of attention, getting a lot of opportunity in his rookie year. Expect that to continue and not only continue, but also get bigger, right? His role will get larger in 2022. Now, another player to keep an eye on is going to be rookie second round selection from this year, Alante Taylor. This really intriguing situation to where the Saints drafted this guy that they expect to compete at the outside corner position. There's only one outside corner position to compete for, and that's the one that Paul Sanadibo held down really, really well last year. I still project Paul Sanadibo as the starter next season with Alante Taylor playing a very key role on special teams, being a an elite gunner at the college level. And then the Saints basically struggled to find who that person was going to be opposite JT Gray last year. They tried Ty Montgomery. We saw Jeff Heath even play that role a little bit. We saw you know a, a ton of different players end up getting those opportunities, Bryce Thompson, so on and so forth. But for the Saints, the guy that was the top gunner opposite JT Gray in terms of snap count was Ty Montgomery, who's now a New England Patriot. So that position 
and a very key position for the New Orleans Saints is absolutely wide open. And if Alante Taylor doesn't get that starting role opposite Marshawn Lattimore, then him holding down that key special teams role is certainly a place where he would be able to contribute immediately and make his name known because New Orleans Saints fans care about their gunners. New Orleans Saints organization cares about special teams. So you'll see that have sort of that ripple effect in terms of what his career trajectory will be over his, you know, the, the course of his time in New Orleans or elsewhere. Um, another player that I will absolutely say is worth keeping an eye out on going into that second session is going to be Trevor Penning. Talked about him a little bit as a guy that, you know, showed up, showed out, but we haven't really seen him show out so far, but we see him present. We see him working with Zach Streep. And you don't really get the chance to see an offensive lineman show out in OTAs. There's no contact or anything like that, but just something to keep an eye out on and just sort of you know, you're going to want to hear about his progression, his development, how they feel he's grasping the playbook. According to Zach Streif, he's grasping the playbook fine. The big thing is just going to be working on those fundamentals, working on those techniques. You're also seeing Chris Olave say he's grasping the playbook fine. So these are good signs for the New Orleans. And remember, they went high character, high IQ last year in the draft. They did the same thing this year, going with all the team captains and all those other things, or people that were in some type of leadership role at some, you know, in some way or another. But all of these guys are also like high football IQ players. So you're going to see them grasp the playbook, right? The Saints are trying to eliminate that as a part of the development process. But now that we have OTAs back and the players more importantly have OTAs back, it gives them an opportunity to really learn that playbook before they go out there and try to establish themselves during training camp instead of trying to do all of it at the same time and away from the facility. So that'll be a big thing. The final thing actually, that is just like the general observation that you're going to want to keep an eye out on as opposed to individual player is to see if attendance looks any different session two than it looked session one. You saw you know, a long list of veterans and even some young players who were very likely away for injury purposes like um, Landon Young, for instance, right? So you have, but you have a long list of veteran players who are also away. A lot of veteran players have gotten used to now over the course of the last two years, while the NFL and NFLPA were bickering about, you know, health and safety protocols and not taking care of the players, the players learned how to prepare away from the facility. And remember two years ago, 2020, Sean Payton said, go away, come back for training camp, be with your families, right? So like being away for OTAs isn't a strange thing. For these players, it isn't a strange thing for the organization. It shouldn't be a strange thing across the NFL. And the only time that it is is when you know that it's tied to some type of a contract thing, right? So for right now, that's not the case. So will that attendance end up bolstering a little bit? And will we see more players show up for the second and third sessions of OTAs? Maybe just the third session of OTAs, which is OTAs, which is a little bit deeper into June before the mandatory minicamps, all of that. So attendance will absolutely be something to watch. Or were there players that were present for the first round? not present for the second round, those those pieces will be interesting to observe as well. So as OTAs roll along, we'll keep you updated every step of the way with what's going on every day here at Locked on Saints. And on tomorrow's episode, we're going to continue on. Do the New Orleans Saints have the best offensive line in the NFC South? We talked about potential and presence in Monday's episode. Now let's compare across the NFC South, our four offensive lines that we can cover here in the NFC South. We'll talk about the raw numbers, right? The raw stats, how many pressures allowed, sacks allowed, all of that for each of the players combined. And what does that look like projecting ahead to 2022? So we got that coming up for you tomorrow. And I appreciate you as always for making us your first listen of the day every day here on Locked on Saints. For your second listen, make sure you go and check out Locked on NFL, everything you need around the NFL in less than 30 minutes. Luke Braun and I in the Tuesday episode talking about which Super Bowl result we would change. 
So if you have a good one of those, but for the New Orleans Saints, a good uh, New Orleans Saints result that you would change, go ahead and let me know by hitting me up on Twitter. Or of course, if you're watching on YouTube, you can drop it in the comments. But go and check out that Locked On NFL YouTube channel and podcast as well. Appreciate you as always, y'all, for making me a part of your day. I will see you tomorrow. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holler at you.